I'm Nicole Rucker. I'm the owner of Fat and Flour Bakery in Los Angeles and the author of Dappled Baking Recipes for Fruit Lovers. And a fun fact about me is that I was a child mime. <laughs> um, my parents were divorced and my dad lived in San Francisco. And so during the summers, we would go up to visit him and he made us work in his mime troupe on Pier 39 to get change to get lunch and do fun stuff. So he worked in a print shop by day and then we would go to the pier on the weekends and we would do this family mime routine. And it was, you know, I was not a good mime and I didn't love it. But looking back, I mean, that's pretty cool. I'm Jesse Sparks and this is The One Recipe a podcast that turns to chefs and home cooks with a big question in mind. What is their one? That recipe that boils down years of studying, experimentation, and imagination into one delicious dish. This week, we're celebrating fruit that's ripe for the baking with Nicole Rucker. Nicole is a chef and the owner of Fat and Flour in L.A. She's won multiple national awards for her pies, which led her to publish her cookbook, Dappled, Baking Recipes for Fruit Lovers. She's also well-known for giving out baking wisdom in videos with the Try Guys, Seth Meyers, and so many more folks. She's a hoot, so have a listen. Nicole, hello. Thank you so much for making time. Hi. Nice to be here. Thank you for asking me. I love talking about biscuits. Oh my God. Anytime I can just talk to you about fruit and baking, I will take you up on it. So you've actually (laughs) been a fruit fanatic for a really long time. Where did you kind of find this love for fresh fruit? Yeah, I mean, I have been a fruit person since I was a little kid, I think. I always was fascinated with like what was growing in the backyard. My grandpa had a really big garden. And then even though my family was very poor and we moved around a lot, but It seemed like there was always like a house with like a peach tree or like an apricot or like some blackberries somewhere just because of where I was in San Diego. So I just kind of like, I don't know, like I'm old, you know, I'm in my 40s. And so there was a lot of latchkey kid things happening. You can't do this anymore. You can't just like kids don't just like wander the neighborhood stealing stuff off of people's lawns. Uh, That's fruit. (laughs) They would probably... They're probably stealing cars or something instead. But (laughs) I was like trying to find like apple trees and things like that just because I was bored and like kind of hungry. So that's how I got into it. And then it just never went away. So as you have been kind of navigating the restaurant industry, you have made a name for yourself through your baked goods, your pies, and all of these desserts that have fresh fruit at their core, at their center. Mm -hmm. Can you describe what it was about baking with the fresh fruit that felt so intoxicating that you'd base a whole career around it? (laughs) Yeah. Well, okay, so I, I learned on the job. I didn't go to culinary school. I went to art school. And then, you know, years and years later, I got a job at the Jelena Group and they were opening a new restaurant. And it's just kind of like when you're in the candy shop, you know, you can have whatever you want. And that restaurant <laughs> spends thousands and thousands of dollars a week at the Santa Monica Farmer's Market. I mean, they, I don't know how it is now because I haven't worked there in so long, but they had, they had like no budget for produce. No one was watching what we were doing. I was using Harry's berries to make strawberry rhubarb pie, you know, like 
You're supposed to eat Harry's berries fresh. You're not supposed to cook them, but nobody cared. I could do it literally whatever I wanted. And so I landed in this really good place of abundance and then just got to use what was there. And that was the vibe there. So, you know, naturally I got to play to that aesthetic of, um, you know, that style of cooking farm to table. And I did, I just went crazy. And then when I stopped working there, and opened my own restaurant, I realized how much money was spent and how expensive it was all, you know, that was kind of shielded from me and I just got to be creative. So it was an interesting process, but thankfully I also live in a great house. My husband and I have a wonderful garden and we have lots of fruit around us. And that's just, you know, it's just always a part of our daily lives. And I'm always looking, I'm always shopping. If I see something, I'll buy it. And I try to use as much (laughs) as I can. Yeah. And for people who aren't familiar, Harry's Berries are prime <laughs> real estate. They're, it's really bougie. They're not cheap. <laughs> they're not cheap. <laughs> they're, like, they're not cheap, and it's also kind of like one of those things where, like, it's so expensive. Like, you really should not be cooking them. Like, one of the best sushi restaurants in the country, um, Hayato, in Los Angeles, it's a tasting menu only. It's very expensive. But it's worth it. But he only serves one dessert, and his dessert is Harry's Berries when they're in season, with some freshly whipped cream. And that's it. That's the dessert. And it's like literally in a gold bowl. So it's that kind of elevated status. But, you know, like right now, we're about to go pick peaches at Masamoto Farms, um, which is a California farm. And we go there every year. We've been there going, we've been going there for years and we sponsor Adopt a Tree. And now we're going to go pick our own peaches and we're just going to go pick. I don't know, like 400 pounds of peaches. (laughs) And then we're going to figure out what the heck we're going to do with them. That's just part of what I do. I love it. It keeps me busy. Hey, we all have to find that thing that lets us, you know, access our passions. Yeah. So you have taken all this time to really get people to just appreciate the produce for what it is. You know, Mm. sometimes that's baking it into the pie. Sometimes that's, you know, setting up a really great rubric or formula for an easy kind of no-brainer cobbler. Mm. But is there one way that you prefer to bake with your fresh fruit? I, I think like whatever is the fastest and easiest way to get it done is, and that's like crazy. I know that sounds like very Sandra Lee of me. But the truth is like, if you're worried about using it and then you just keep worrying, it's going to go bad. If you're like, oh, this stuff is so precious. I have to figure out the perfect use. It's like, no, the perfect use is whatever gets it into your body. <laughs> you know, that's, it's just like, get it done. Okay. So is your one recipe also going to be something baking related? Yes, of course it is. Of course it is. Um, I I love the ricotta biscuit recipe from my book and I use it a lot and it's very popular this time of year. So it's definitely got to be something baking. I think people will be bummed out if I if I gave them something not baking related. (laughs) And hey, it sounds like you have people fighting for these recipes. So let's get right on into it. (laughs) Can you kind of walk me through? No fighting. (laughs) Yeah. So it's a very simple biscuit recipe, although it is one of the first recipes I developed. And it's I'm not one of those people that you make a recipe and that's the recipe forever. I change it, you know, all along. And then one day I decided I'm going to put ricotta in this. And the reason I wanted to do that is because I really liked these ricotta fritters that we had on the menu at one point at Jelena, I think. And 
it just seemed right. So I put this ricotta into the biscuit recipe and I adjusted the liquid a little bit. And what came out was something that I was not expecting. I was picturing, you know, chunks of ricotta in, in sections in this biscuit. And what ended up happening is like it kind of melts in and provides this like extra fluffy buoyancy, probably because there's so much protein. Um, but then there, you know, there is delicious fat in it. So it ended up being something really special. And then I was like, oh, this is really good. I also use like keywords a lot and like ricotta biscuit sounds good. You know, ricotta biscuit cobbler also sounds very good. So that's how I came to it. It's so good. (laughs) It sounds great. So, so can you walk me through the process of making it? Yeah. So it's flour and butter. It's got, you know, either cream or buttermilk in it, salt, a little bit of sugar. They're not very sweet. And then you just like, you know, do the traditional mix-in method for the butter, rub it in the flour. Um, You can do that in a mixer. You can do that by hand. And then you add the ricotta and you add the liquid and you bring it together. And you can drop it by spoonfuls or you can kind of like pat it out into a shape and cut it out if you want to. And then you just either, if you're going to make a sweet recipe, you would dredge it in sugar. Just like love a crispy top and then put it in the oven and bake it. Or, you know, you would put it on top of a cobbler and, you know, let the bottom turn into sort of a dumpling texture and the top be crispy and crumbly. But you can also spin it savory and add salt and pepper and chives and make something that is really yummy and wonderful to go with some beans or something like that. So that's how you make it. It's a fast recipe. It's maybe dangerously fast. Yeah. <laughs> so you actually mentioned something really great and ingenious about this recipe. It's that when you're kind of finishing off the the biscuits, they're not actually automatically that sweet on their own. It's not until you're adding that sugar on top. So do you have a preferred type of sugar that you like to finish these biscuits off with? Yeah, light granulated or um, super fine would be good. You know, anything that would like really cover the entire biscuit, I think is smart. You know, something more textural might look pretty, but I really don't think it adds enough. So like if you were going to turn it into a shortcake Maybe you would be feeling like some textural sugar would be good, but I don't think it's enough sweetness. So I would just put like regular sugar on top of it for sure. And it also like bakes in the oven and makes sort of like a shiny, you know, that like layer, that shiny crunchy layer. Yeah. So that's that's a visual thing that I really like to see where it looks sort of like glazed in a way. Yeah, yummy. Just thinking about it, that sheen. Yeah, the sheen. Thank you. That's the word. Earlier, you also talked about just how adaptable this recipe is, too. Mm-hmm. So do you have preferred fruits that you like to use as swaps? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I like – I'm peaches are the number one cobbler, I believe. Like, that's the thing. And But I will put any fruit in there, um, blueberries, cherries. We make something called stone fruit party pie, which um, is – Peaches and plums and cherries or whatever stone fruit is available at the time and we mix them all together and it's sort of like fruit cocktail, but not, but not in a bad way. So, you know, I would just mix whatever <laughs> tastes good. I think the most important part is using the sugar properly and then adding like some citrus and adding some vanilla or adding some alcohol, even though I don't drink. I'd like to add bourbon to a lot of fruit fillings because it adds this like special layer of mm. flavor. But also, there are two recipes that utilize the ricotta biscuits in the book, and one of them is tomato cobbler. And that is 
very, very delicious. And you should definitely try it. It's like riding between sweet and savory, but it definitely has a sweetness to it. And then it has a little vinegar in the filling. And it is so good. Oh my gosh, it's a really wonderful treat. So, All right, Nicole, thank you so much for making time. I cannot wait to make this recipe. Thank you so much for having me. I can't wait to see it on the gram. Nicole Rucker is the owner of Fat and Flour in LA and the author of Dapple, Baking Recipes for Fruit Lovers. You can find that recipe for her ricotta biscuits on Instagram at the.one.recipe and at theonerecipe.org. Before we go, I wanted to give you a quick update. Since the temperatures are soaring and summer's starting to wind down, we'll be taking a little break ourselves. But we'll be back with new episodes in the fall. In the meantime, we'd love to see how you make the most of the great collection of recipes we put together. So stay in touch and show us by tagging us on Instagram, TikTok, and hell, even threads. As we look forward to next season, let us know who you want to hear from. We can't wait to see your responses. And don't forget, if you liked what you heard here today, take a minute to let us know. Like and subscribe. It makes a big difference for us. This week's episode was made for you by producer Erica Romero, associate producer Ren Farrell, technical director Alex Simpson, and digital producer James Napoli. Sally Swift is our managing producer. APM Studios executives in charge are Chandra Kabati, Joanne Griffith, and Alex Schaffer. Beth Perlman is our executive producer. The One Recipe was created by Sally Swift and Erica Romero. I'm Jesse Sparks. This is APM Studios. Go make some magic. <laughs>